I'm just talking, babbling. This is what you came here for, isn't it? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of So I Got My BFA, dot, dot, dot. My name is Kelsey, and this is a podcast where I talk about all of the things I feel qualified to talk about because I recently graduated with my BFA in musical theater. If you guys are returning listeners, thank you so much for coming back. If you are new, welcome, and thank you so much for listening. You guys can always find this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and if you could please leave me a rating and a review and let me know how you're liking these episodes, that would really help me out, and I would love to hear from you guys. All right, now that we got that business out of the way, guys, welcome back. I have something very exciting to talk about today. Apparently, I have been informed that my podcast was like number 24 in the performing arts category, and I'm pretty sure when I started, I was number 500 and something in that category. So that is super cool and super awesome. Thank you guys for clicking on and listening to this podcast. Whether you make it all the way through or not, it doesn't matter. Thank you for listening in the first place. I am back with a very special guest. You guys all know her if you listen to episode number six or five. I don't remember. one of the, the ones on this island episode. She is back yet again, the wickedly talented, my roommate, Genevieve Taylor. That's me. <laughs> Welcome back, Genevieve. Thanks for having me back, Kelsey. Thanks for um, agreeing slash being forced to come back and film another episode. Oh, you know I always have a blast doing this. You You really could not sound more enthused if you tried. No, I'm just trying to speak above my cords today because my throat kind of hurts. Oh, is that why? Yeah. Not to be confused with sick symptoms. It just hurts because I've been talking a lot is all. Oh, that's interesting because about five minutes before we started recording this episode, Genevieve says, I'm going to speak up here because last time I sounded like a dude. You're a bad person. (laughs) I'm just telling it like it is. Uh, So thank you for for joining me again. Yeah, you're welcome. Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. How's your week been? Um, it's been fine. My mother was here for five days. Oh, Yes, she was. How did that go? It was good. Good. She's got your room all set up. She did. My room, actually, I really do love my room. It has a very vintage look to it. I painted all of my furniture poised taupe. Oh. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's like a brownish, grayish, pinkish color. (laughs) That's a lot of colors in one. Yeah, but it really, it describes me, you know? (laughs) I would describe you as poised taupe. For sure. <laughs> um, Genevieve and I have very different styles and tastes in color combinations and vibes, as we have come to find out, because we're trying to decorate our apartment for Christmas. It's not going well. <laughs> we're having some clashing ideas, and um, I'm going to throw this out there, and I want you guys to let me know what your vibe is on Christmas, but I am very winter wonderland type of Christmas. I love the whites. Like, the white Christmas trees decorated with, like, the blue turquoise color and silver and snow everywhere. And I love a winter wonderland Christmas, whereas Genevieve likes warmth <laughs> and coziness. She likes um, the much more traditional Christmas vibe, so the reds, gold, greens, all of those colors. And um, as we've come to find out, those colors don't necessarily go together. And so we have been in quite a quite an argument on how we're going to decorate the apartment. I'll keep my colored lights in my room, but the bulbs on the Christmas tree 
are not going to be blue. She's not allowing the, the ornaments to be blue. We're already getting a green Christmas tree. So I don't know why you can't um, compromise on the other, but it's fine. I have a white Christmas tree in my room, so. I don't usually have Christmas trees, okay? Just give me this. <laughs> okay, okay. How was your Thanksgiving? It was decadent. Decadent. <laughs> to say the least. My, my mother decided to cook a big Italian family style <laughs> Thanksgiving where we were feeding four people. But it was a feast for like 40. Hey, but now we have leftovers until Christmas. That is true. So we're we, not... We have like two pieces of pie a night. <laughs> it's really... Um, we There were there were six pies for four people. It was six. great. Everyone gets a pie and a half. And a half. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. But it was really fun. We had one of our friends come over. It was a nice, like the four of us. We had a little, you know, isolated, quarantined Thanksgiving feast. Yeah. It was really it was nice. Good. Yeah. So anything big going on this week, Genevieve, as in tomorrow? Oh, we're filming this on Wednesday, I should preface. So anything big happening tomorrow? Are you talking about Grey's Anatomy? I might be. Oh, yes. (laughs) But what is the big thing, you know? Yeah. We got to figure out who is the next person showing up on Meredith's stream. So, So if you're not caught up on Grey's Anatomy, skip ahead a couple of minutes But the last time Genevieve was on the podcast, we talked about Grey's Anatomy season 17 and Derek coming back. Now there's supposed to be a new a new, yeah, a new ghost that appears on the beach. And Genevieve and I have actually been like debating like who it's going to be because we we think it's going to be different people. I really think it's going to be George, but I feel like Lexi would be a very interesting twist. See, I think it I think it might be Lexi because we haven't I feel like we haven't even heard from Lexi. Like we haven't heard about Lexi in such a long time. I know, it's like that character just like disappeared. Which is crazy because like what a amazing character she was. I know, honestly. Oh, she died in the worst way too. I, I literally we, saw We're rewatching the whole series. We have this little Gilmore Girls <laughs> Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Not unfortunately, it's just that like I haven't rewatched Grey's since my freshman year of college, and um, now we're starting again. And <laughs> there's 17 seasons, people. It's like a lot, but okay, it's good routine. <laughs> and so we're rewatching. We're rewatching Grey's, and I'm very excited for Lexi to come back in the mix. We're only on season two. Yeah, it's super exciting. Well, anyway, so I think it's going to be Lexi. She thinks it's going to be George. I guess we'll find out tomorrow. And this podcast comes out on Friday. So if you watch it on Thursday night, I guess you'll know if, which one of us are correct. Or if neither of us are correct. Yeah, I know. Could well, be Heather, it's going to be like Denny. Could be Heather Brooks. <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> or Reese. Oh! <laughs> Reese. You mean Reed? Oh, that's her name. See, I, <laughs> I don't even remember what her name is. But, um, yeah. So... Now that we're, we've talked about all that, let's get into the whoa, 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 weekly obsessions. I really need a new jingle. <laughs> I don't like it. It's true. I have no, I have no idea which episode this is. I've been really good about being like, this is episode blah blah blah. Um, I think this is might be episode seven. It's also possible it could be episode eight. I'm not sure, but whatever episode it is, we are this far into the podcast. I'm number twenty four in the performing arts category, and I still don't have jingles for these dang segments. So- Thanks for listening. You guys are awesome. This week's weekly obsessions. To start it off, I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to apologize for making the statement in uh, the last podcast we were on together because I still feel like it's crazy 
However, Ratatouille the musical has just taken off since we last spoke. It, it's still like it's completely fake and it's totally made up on TikTok. But like the theater nation has taken it in and raised it as, as its own. And I have seen, I think Playbill posted someone, like a fan art Playbill of Ratatouille the musical. So it's like, it's literally like getting around and I can't even, I can't even, people are like dream casting it. I think Ratatouille the musical would be an interesting musical. That being said, the fact that it was made up on TikTok makes it very cringy. That's just my opinion. I think it's great that it's reached the entire theater community. I still think it's cringy. <laughs> and that's all I have to say on that. Do you have any comments? I don't pay attention to this. Yeah, Genevieve's not really on TikTok, so she doesn't really know what I'm... Well, she kind of does. I've talked to her about it a little bit, but other than that... I try to stay much. out Well, of what it. do you think about... Uh, a musical about Ratatouille. It sounds like another SpongeBob the musical. It's just like a, it'll be like a fun time, one hit wonder. But like, I think right now we really need to focus on having more relevant, important, original works on Broadway. That's fair. That might be a bold statement to make, <laughs> but I feel like I just need something new. That's fair. Kind of, like something that's like at the caliber of like the musical that we're talking about today. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was a good, that was almost a good segue, but we're not quite there yet. All right. Okay. So. My next weekly obsession is this, I don't eat like a web series, I guess it's called, but you probably already know what I'm talking about. Stars in the House, Seth Rudensky and his husband, James Wesley, have created this YouTube web series where basically they gather a bunch of old or like recent uh, Broadway cast reunions and they raise money for the Actors Fund. And I clicked on their Thanksgiving episode, which was one of their most recent. And I believe they said that they've raised over $585,000 for the Actors Fund. And that is incredible. The Actors Fund is an amazing organization um, that helps uh, struggling, act not just actors, but like everyone involved in you know the crew the stage managers directors anyone involved in the theater community they help out in times of need like we are in right now so that's absolutely incredible that they're doing that and they also they donated to a bunch of BLM organizations over quarantine and they're they're doing some really great things and donating to some really awesome organizations i think it's super fun to see the cast reunions. I mean, I've watched ones that I uh, have really enjoyed. The most recent one I watched was the Search for Elle Woods reunion <laughs> because I literally sat down and watched the entire MTV for Search for Elle Woods. I talk about it on one of the episodes of this podcast. Um, I believe it's the Ragtime episode. If you want to hear my uh, opinions about that show, but Genevieve, have you watched any of the cast reunions? I don't think I've watched any coming from this web series. Mm -hmm. I've watched other cast reunions, yeah. but not this. They started at the very beginning of quarantine, and it actually inspired me to... I reached out to my Fiddler on the Roof cast, which I did about six or seven years ago, because um, that was a really... That was a cast I got really, really close to, and I actually reached out to them and was like, we should do a cast reunion, and it was all inspired by stars in the house so go check it out I'm sure they've done your favorite musical or your favorite tv show I'm still waiting for a Gilmore Girls reunion episode um Seth Brzezinski so 
if you're listening to this podcast, which I know you are, um, just go ahead and give just go ahead and give me that. Thanks. My next weekly obsession is actually something that I have been doing almost all of quarantine. I tried to get Genevieve to do some of it um, when she first came here, but uh, it's it's very intense. But it's a workout company started by Beth Nicely, who is a Broadway performer. She's been in many a Broadway show, Chicago, something rotten. Uh, She's actually going to be in the prom movie. I believe she's in the ensemble. But she started her own training company over quarantine. It's called The Limit Fit. And I work out with her every Saturday. And she actually trains Sutton Foster, which is how I heard about her. You guys already know the dish on that. And Sutton actually opens up her private sessions every Sunday. Sunday is free and Saturday is donation-based. And then she has classes throughout the week. So you guys can check that out. It's a great workout class. I highly recommend it. It's very, very, very intense. So just get ready for that. But I just think it's super cool that Broadway performers are taking this time during quarantine to um, start new businesses or start things that they maybe wanted to do. Uh, finally had time to to get the, the ball rolling on it now. And she, Beth is like the most amazing person in the entire world. And I honestly, I say this every time, but like the woman has alien lungs. Like she is the most hardcore person I've, I've ever come across. But she's amazing. And uh, her classes are amazing. Go check them out. She offers them all week. And then, like I said, Saturday is donation-based. And then Sunday, Sutton Foster live streams her private session for free on her Instagram. If you want to get, like, a taste of what you're getting yourself into, you can check those two classes out. And they're, they're so much fun. They're really, really, really intense workouts. And it has definitely been whipping my butt into shape during quarantine so that I can, you know, eat Ben & Jerry's during movie night. Huh, Genevieve? Yes. anything to add do you have any because you've been working out too do you have any I have been just started working out again so I had I've had an interesting journey with fitness at the beginning of quarantine I was super lazy and then I was like (laughs) that's it I'm done and I did the Chloe Ting 28 day 2020 summer shred with my best friend and that was really fun Kind of. I mean, it wasn't that fun. It was painful. But we we did the full thing, mm-hmm. and I was feeling good. And then I got three jobs <laughs> and Yikes. was working. That's a workout in itself. That's was, a whole other yeah, type of workout. Yeah, was working all the time and eating pizza and candy and taking shots to get me through my bartending shifts. <laughs> and I lost everything. I mean, like, not, like, in life. I mean, like, muscle and stuff. But so this past week, I was like, that's it. I need to start again. So I've started again. It's going okay. Today today was day three. And that's Chloe Ting, right? Chloe Ting. Well, I I do Chloe Ting, and then I do a little bit of my own stuff. I was working with a personal trainer Mm -hmm. before, so sometimes I steal some of her stuff. But I do at least a 15-minute HIIT workout with Chloe Ting to start off. Yeah, I really love Chloe Ting because she has, like, a program that you can follow, so you're not just trying to, like, blindly Mm -hmm. go into it. So I, I definitely, like check her stuff out too as well that wraps up the weekly obsessions Genevieve unless you have anything to add nope all right so you know what time it is Genevieve what musical is our musical of the week Les Miserables Ooh. I feel like I, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before but uh we are 
talking about a musical that I maybe don't like so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Well, it is weird, and I know it's a very, very hot take. I'm going to get a lot of flack for it, but we'll discuss it at length. But I have, I feel like I've been doing musicals that, uh, like, literally I rate them, and I don't think I've gone below an eight. <laughs> I feel like maybe I should talk about some things that uh, I have a, I have hot takes on, so... And I let Genevieve pick the musical this week. She decided to join me slash be forced to be on this podcast again. So she picked one of her favorite musicals, Les Mis. We're going to get right into it and we'll learn all about my hot takes and everything on it. But first, we're going to start with the Wikipedia synopsis. You guys know. You guys already know. All right. Set in early 19th century France, Les Miserables is the story of Jean Valjean, a French peasant, and his desire for redemption after serving 19 years in jail for stealing a loaf of bread for his sister's starving child. Valjean decides to break his parole and start his life anew after a bishop inspires him by a tremendous act of mercy, but he is being tracked down by a police inspector named Javert. Along the way, Valjean and a slew of characters are swept into a revolutionary period in France, where a group called the Friends of the ABC attempt to overthrow the government in a street barricade in Paris. Wow. What do you think? Sure. Yeah, I feel like it was a nice basic outline. Um, I'm not so sure they did leave out a lot of yeah, details. Yeah, there's a lot of... I mean, it's a long musical. Oh, you're telling so, me. So, Sure. I'll give it a sure. I feel like it did okay, in a sense. Yeah. I feel like there's other storylines that aren't uh, surrounded by Jean Valjean that uh, didn't really talk about at all. But um, as far as Valjean's journey in the musical, I feel it's like the, it did a pretty it's good about, job. The story is about Valjean. Yeah. So. It's his story, whatever. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's go ahead and hop right into the musical. All right, so we start, curtains open, we see some men pulling a boat to shore, singing, down, look down. Da, 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 da. I'm glad you know the words. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, what do you think of this song as far as an opening? I think it's perfect. It's a very good opening song because it really sets up the scene of where you are. And also... We're going to have to talk about this later, but the cool thing about this musical is songs come back. Right. Like, it's like a constant rotation of songs coming back. So, like, this song being performed now sets up later. Right. So. What I feel like a lot of openings and other musicals do is they really, like, set up the entire story. They uh, introduce all of the characters and kind of, like, the journey that the characters are going to go on. Whereas this one, I think it really just sets up the circumstance of where the singular character is mm-hmm. and what he's going through, obviously. Um, we got to talk about Valjean for a hot second because this is one of the things I just don't understand. I get that it was, like, 19th century France and things were going on, but, like, a loaf of bread. Boy was in prison for 19 years for stealing a loaf of bread and then had to be on parole for life. Well, so here's the thing. He was only supposed to be imprisoned for five years. You know, it does, that's not justifiable either. But like Aladdin steals a loaf of bread every day. What? Yeah, I know. But like, what? <laughs> he, marries, he gets to marry a princess. Okay, yeah, but the cops are after him all the time, right? Yeah, but he doesn't get caught. Um, but anyway, he was only supposed to be imprisoned for five years, but because he kept trying to escape, he kept getting more time tacked on, and I think that he got labeled as a dangerous man based on him trying to escape 
Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I would try to escape if I was in prison for stealing a loaf of bread, too. Yeah, well, because Javert says that at the very beginning. He says, five years for what you did, the rest because you tried to run. Uh, there's, like, that's another thing that, okay, we are, like, I do like a lot of moments in this musical, but the, the one thing about this musical is that I feel like it's, first of all, it's a three-hour-long musical, which is long for a musical already. You um, should see the book. Oh, I've seen the book. Uh, I can't believe... Have you read it? Yeah. I can't believe that. That's the first 50 pages is just about the priest. Oh my gosh. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. But the, the thing about the musical is that it's a fully sung through musical. And I feel like a lot of the times when people are singing in musicals, like you don't always catch every single lyric. There's just so much information that gets thrown at you in song and I feel like sometimes like you can miss parts and bits and pieces especially if you're just going to a theater and you're like in the back row and so like I feel like a lot of the storyline like the first time I watched Les Mis a lot of the storyline just got lost on me because I I did not know what was happening where he was because like you miss like one lyric and don't un- you that's kind of how I felt about Hamilton that's fair I feel like I mean, I love Hamilton. Don't get me wrong. I love Hamilton, but I had to watch it like three or four times to fully get everything. Yeah. And they were talking fast. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's just an issue that you, you come across when every single word is sung in song. Cause it's just an issue of like the transfer of sound. I just feel like the monotoneness of the, the way they, they speak and sing. But I mean, like, it's just not my cup of tea personally, but the big, like, moment songs in the show are phenomenal I like it all (laughs) I know you do anyway so we go through the song and he lifts a flag because he's strong man and he is told that he is going to be on parole and then we watch him kind of go through this journey of being on parole not being able to find jobs because he's on parole and labeled as a dangerous man and so he can't make money and so that puts him back on the back on the street and struggling and until eventually he meets the bishop he wanders into a church courtyard i guess mm-hmm. and the bishop just takes complete mercy on him and he's like i can see that you're struggling and he takes him in and i think the most amazing part about that whole situation is even when Jean Valjean kind of betrays him, mm-hmm. he continues to do good by giving him the candlesticks. Right, and and not turning him in. Not right? turning him in. And yeah. I think that that's like a major theme in this this musical is is that when someone shows you an act of kindness, you can really turn your life around just because that one singular act of kindness. We see that in Jean Valjean in this moment. We see it later when he takes in Cosette. I just think that, that that's like a motto for life, like be kind to one another because you never know what impact that your kindness or your thoughtfulness is going to have on someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Valjean's soliloquy. Oh my goodness. Mm, it's beautiful. I know. Yeah. I can't. Oh, just everything that he goes through in his head. And then he's just like, you know what? Yep. Starting over. Yeah. Like. We actually um, watched the movie the other night because we knew we were going to do this musical and we just wanted like a little bit of prep. Um, so we, we watched the movie, even though the movie, I would say, does Watch not. Watch the 25th anniversary. It's <laughs> phenomenal. It, I would say it, it doesn't quite do it justice, but there are like moments that are great in the movie. I just like remember like the first like, I feel like mm, 30 to 45 minutes of this musical, I my, could not keep my eyes off of it. It's kind of after that where it drops off a little bit for me, but we'll definitely get to that later. So 
Jean Valjean soliloquy, and then we move into the screen fades up on how many years later? Oh, I don't know. However many, years, however many years later, and we have entered the factory, and we meet Fontaine and the factory women. Okay. Well, first of all, we just need to talk about that very first moment at the end of the day. When you're seeing all of the poor people. Yeah. First of all. At the end of the day is a great song. It was my favorite song in the musical for Mm -hmm. a long time. I remember when I first really got into Les Mis, which was my freshman year of high school. At the end of the day was like my thing. Because it's, I mean, it's even relevant today. Like, you know, especially with everything that's going on in the world. It's just like crazy how little some people have and no one's willing to help. Definitely, definitely. So we meet the factory workers and we meet Fontaine and okay, the factory women are actually awful to Fontaine for kind of no reason in my opinion, but they hate her because the foreman wants to sleep with her. Yeah, something like that. But Fontaine doesn't, right? No. Like she has no interest in the foreman and I just, I, they're so nasty to her and I don't understand if it's like a competitive thing. Yeah, it's it's an attention thing. It's, It's definitely an attention thing. But, but they literally like lose her, her job over it. It's, it's ridiculous. Girls are catty. I, I guess so. So she gets in a fight with the foreman, obviously, and Valjean has left the building. So the foreman throws her out, and she sings the coveted I Dreamed a Dream. Uh, what a great, great moment. Devastating. You know, okay, so in the movie, it's a little bit different. Uh, she sings I Dreamed a Dream after Lovely Ladies, after she has been prostituted out. And she sings I Dreamed a Dream right after a guy rapes her. And... Oh my god, Anne Hathaway won a Tony for that, right? I think so. I mean, not a Tony, an Oscar. She I, won an Oscar. I think so. If she didn't, I'm pretty sure she did, because I feel like I remember watching her give her speech or whatever, but that was the most like soul-shattering, goosebumps all over my body moment that I've had in a movie, like watching a movie in a while. She knocked that out of the she park. She was phenomenal. And phenomenal. Hathaway, Cap 21 grad. hey mm-hmm. Cap 21 is where uh, Genevieve and I went to college. I don't think I've ever said that. Oh, well, now you know. Name drop. <laughs> Name drop. But gosh, she was so good. But anyway, back to the musical. Just such a great dynamic song and really, really shows the struggle of the character and her journey and like what all she's been through. Mm-hmm. Also, something that you did forget to mention real quick, just because it's important to the plot Many years have passed, and Jean Valjean now goes by Monsieur Madeleine, I think, and he is the mayor right. of this area of France. Right. And he owns the factory that Fontaine works in, and even though it was not his ultimate decision, Fontaine was fired under his watch. Right. I'm going to continue to call him... Valjean though because that's fine yeah. I'm, just, I'm just saying that like for confusion purposes Jean Valjean is now a new person and no one new knows. identity yeah he has a new identity no one knows what his former self is but I'm for purposes of confusion I'm going to continue to call him Jean Valjean <laughs> and then so after I dreamed a dream Fontaine goes the only route she knows that will make her money she goes down prostitution lane I don't even know <laughs> what lane it is but Lovely Ladies, which I think is kind of a cool song. It is. For what it is. I mean, Um, yeah, I mean, it's a sad song, but it's super fun to perform. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so she is prostituting herself out to make money to send to her child. 
to pay the debt of uh, the, the innkeeper's taking in her child. Right, right, right. Yeah. And now that she doesn't have a job, she no longer can afford that. So she goes the only route she knows. Um, they cut all her hair off. They pull out her teeth. She does. She does literally everything. And I. I mean, it's an awful, awful circumstance, but she, it's really sweet that she does that, like, all for her child. Yeah. Like, well, Fontaine's, like, a, a great mother, even though we never get to see the, them any, any yeah. motherly moments. I, like, wrote, I was taking, like, a couple notes. There was a point at which I stopped, but one of the notes that I have is that what happens to Fontaine is truly devastating. I think it's probably one of the most devastating things that happens to a character in the musical theater canon. Definitely. I mean, she goes through Well, it. like you were saying, where it's like one act of kindness can turn someone's whole life around. It's the same thing on right. the opposite effect. One you act know? of devastation can yeah, completely, like completely ruin a person. ruin a person. For sure. That's right. 100% true. I know you and I have both seen it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Fontaine is arrested for assaulting a not-so-nice gentleman who is trying to advance on her. And... Well, almost arrested. Almost arrested, right, because Jean, Jean Valjean, Valjean intervenes. Yes, Jean Valjean intervenes and takes her. But at this point, she's so sick. She has so many, I think she has pneumonia. pneumonia. She has S- so many STDs. But um, at this point, she's just a frail, like, totally, like. And he sends her to the hospital. Right, yeah. right. Totally out of tune with herself. So he sends her to the hospital, and then in the next scene. This is a big moment. This is a very, very big moment in the show. We have the runaway cart, mm-hmm. which a peasant is trapped under a cart, and Jean Valjean uh, lifts the cart off of him, which is a near impossible task because of how heavy the cart is. And Javert witnesses the moment, and he has and a realization. Because Jean Valjean is the only man he has ever known to lift, to something, lift something that heavy. So heavy, exactly. So he has a realization that, this person is the guy that I have been trying to find for years and years and years. And I think that this is nine or something? Yeah, I think it's something like nine years later. Yeah, so Javert has been trying and searching for this guy for nine years. And in this one moment, he's like, no one has ever been able to... This is is the man I'm looking for. So he sends... A, like a report off to the court to be like, I think I might have found the man. And they basically respond, well, you know what? Actually, that's kind of what happened in the movie. I'm going to stay true to the actual Broadway production. Mm-hmm. Basically, he has this moment where he's like, I can't believe what I see. Like, you remind me of a man. And he's like, I'm sorry. I mean, it can't be because I was just informed recently that they actually found him. So it's obviously not you. Mm-hmm. That's basically what it is. He doesn't really send a report or anything. He's just kind of like, oh, that's weird. You remind me of this guy, but it can't be because they already caught him. Right. Can you imagine being Javert in that moment? Like, what do you th- what do you think he, like, felt in that moment when he... Well, I think it was kind of one of those oopsie moments. Like, do you think that he's he, like, had forgotten about Jean, Jean Valjean until that moment? I would say so, because you mentioned something in the movie where you were like, why has he been after him for so long? And I, I was like, I don't necessarily think he specifically has been after him until he stumbles upon him right now. Right, because, because I feel like if something like that happened to you where you're like, oh, well, I kind of stopped thinking about this, but then it kind of just showed up. If it shows up once, 
it can show up again, which it does in this musical. So I think his obsession starts there. Right. Well, I was trying to figure out desperately what drives him to do what he does at the end of the show. How can like one person drive a person so crazy? I mean, we're going to get to it. So I'm going to just say it anyway. He obviously commits suicide over the situation. And I was just like, what? How can one man that got away just drives a person to go absolutely insane and, I mean, kill himself over it. So we were having that conversation trying to figure that out. But, right, I think that maybe he did, you know, it was a, a forgotten foe and then, you know, just an, an opened a sore wound. Go on, Genevieve, you can talk about this next part. So Jean Valjean has an internal crisis mm-hmm. because he's like, this is like the moment, like, I don't have to be on the run anymore because they have someone in my place like they have someone who they think is me so they'll stop looking for me basically Mm -hmm. and I can like give it a rest and then he's like but I know how awful it was being in prison like can my conscience bear sending this man in my place knowing that he will probably die right in jail even though he has committed no crime right and so he has this big meltdown basically and it's called the song is called who am i mm-hmm. and the end of the song is super powerful yeah he so he's you know the whole time he's saying like who am i who am i my soul was claimed for god like i can't betray he actually says he goes my soul was made for god i know i made that bargain long ago something mm-hmm. like that and so he's like who am i i'm jean valjean and he actually turns himself in he's like you can't arrest this man because he's not Jean Valjean, I'm Jean Valjean, right. and he shows the brand on his chest. And then, for some reason, I don't quite understand how he isn't taken hostage right there immediately, but he basically is like, I'm Jean Valjean, and then dips. <laughs> like, you know? Right, and then, of course, okay, we're going to kind of like whiz through some of this stuff, because mm-hmm. like I said, this is a three-hour musical, and I'm not trying to make it a three-hour podcast, because mm-hmm. um, no one wants to listen to that. So then he has this beautiful moment with Fontaine, where Fontaine is basically like, I'm dying, can you take care of my child? She's not in a good situation, and Jean, Val- Jean Valjean of course, agrees to it because I think he has that moment where he's like, well, someone showed me an act of kindness. Someone gave me a new life. So I I want to take it upon myself to do that for someone else. Yep. Fontaine dies, dies devastatingly. It's awful. And then we have the confrontation between Javert and Jean Valjean. Javert shows up in Fontaine's Ooh. hospital room, gets in this big battle with Jean Valjean. We find out what... Javert's beef is and it's basically that he was born inside a jail Mm -hmm. and he's resented that past his whole life and so he wants to enforce the law because he has childhood trauma right classic (laughs) moving on (laughs) and so they have this whole confrontation where Jean Valjean basically asked for three days to take care of Cosette and get her I don't know. Again, like a lot of lyrics are missed. Basically, he's, I think that he's, comes later, he's asking Javert for three days. Um, so now we have transitioned to young Cosette and Madame Thenardier. Young Cosette is singing Castle on a Cloud. Super which, popular song. If you don't know it, look it up. That's a shame. Fun fact. When I was in seventh grade in Texas, we have these choir competitions called All Region. And you basically audition 
for a chair and it, it's in seventh grade it's like from first chair to like 40th chair or something like that and castle on a cloud was actually one of the songs that was a part of the competition and um i got first chair no big deal it's fine <laughs> i sang castle on a cloud in a pageant when i was 10 and i got third place <laughs> right right right. i feel yeah. like castle on a cloud was very very popular yeah but it's interesting because it was musical theater and not like usually those songs are very like Coral and yeah well it's um, also a huge downer <laughs> like, for sure I don't know whose idea it was to sing that for a pageant couldn't have been mine <laughs> so anyway we meet young Cosette and then we we also meet the Tenardiers we and get into master of the we house get into master of the house we meet young Eponine and we see the difference between young Cosette and young Eponine which completely shifts later in the musical one is in rags and mm-hmm. not doing well and the other one is um very much living at large I guess yeah. in whatever circumstance Master of the House, Madame Thenardier and Thenardier and Madame Thenardier, they are the comic relief of the whole show. They're yes. basically a couple of crooks mm-hmm. just scamming people. Which in the movie, Madame Thenardier, I have to give my girl a shout out, Helena Bonham Carter, amazing. Check out my Sweeney Todd episode. Uh, I rave about her for decades and decades. She's so amazing. She's so good in roles like this. But anyway, these two are definitely the comic reliefs of the show and I, I think that we see that they're there strictly for those purposes. So we meet them, and then Jean Valjean comes in, and he basically... Finds Cosette at the well. Right. And he's like, are you out here alone? She's like, I'm Cosette. And he's like, oh, how convenient, the <laughs> one girl I'm looking for. And, and and then he bargains with the Tenardiers to basically take her in as his own. There's a whole song they sing about, you know, how much money and whatever. So uh, he eventually actually takes in Cosette and we have a look down uh, reprise. We're skipping ahead a few more years later. Oh yeah, this is so, the, this is, I, I believe this one is the nine years later. Maybe, yeah. I think so. Everyone's old now. Everyone's old. Everyone's old. <laughs> and um, I would just like to say that young Cosette is the only Cosette that I like in this musical and we'll get on further to that in, when we get to it. So I really like how they bring back Look Down because it's basically showing that the people of France are basically mimicking the role of being prisoners to the country. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a very clever way to bring that song back around, which is why I think it was a good opener as well. Right. We meet Gavroche, the little wit. Mm -hmm. And we meet meet old Eponine and old Cosette. And Marius. And Marius. And Andras. And Andras, of course. And we just kind of see where they are in pre-French Revolution. Yeah, very basically, you get to see Eponine and Marius' relationship, which is clearly old friends. They've been friends for a while. You can tell that. You see Marius' relationship with Andras, their best friends. They're all schoolboys trying to put on this revolution that's kind of the whole first little thing. And Gavroche narrates it all. He tells everyone about Eponine. He tells everyone about what's going on. God, I love France Gavroche. At the time. Yeah, he's, he's a good what one. A, what a great character. Um, <laughs> so that's basically what that opener is. It's kind of just setting up the scene for what things are looking mm-hmm. like now in And France. Marius and uh, Cosette lock eyes and instantly fall in love. It's that stupid Maria and Joanna moment in those two musicals they they like lock eyes and all of a sudden they're in love I don't understand that the moment in musicals but it happens quite often hey it happened to me oh I'm sure it did (laughs) and then we go we go straight into the robbery we 
got to remember here that Eponine is the daughter of Madame Thenardier and Thenardier. As we said before, they are just crooks, so they're just staging this whole crime scene here. Javert comes back through to break up the robbery. Jean Valjean runs away. Thenardier informs Javert that that was the same guy who fought Cosette years ago. And so Javert's like, oh yeah, that guy. (laughs) Gotta find him. Sings this song called Stars, which honestly, I hate this song. Yeah, um, hand signaling Genevieve to like keep talking because I don't really remember these this part of the show too yeah, well. No, well, stars. I just I don't like it. I think they were just kind of like we need Javert to have a song, but basically he's like I am the law and law <laughs> is right, and I right. look at the stars and see Jean Valjean dead. It's very like I am man, man knows best, you know, <laughs> of stupid course. stuff like that. And then after that, we see Eponine and Marius' relationship kind of play out. And we see, like, where the two of them are at in their relationship. Marius is, this is a friendship. And Eponine is like, um, I want this to be more than a friendship. However, Marius has now fallen in love with Cosette. Yeah, Eponine is hardcore friend zone here. Because right. Marius is basically like, you see that pretty blonde girl? Can you go, like, get some more information? <laughs> well, I guess she's, okay, she doesn't have to be blonde. She was just blonde in the movie. But he's basically like, you see that pretty girl? Can you go get some information? And Eponine's like, ha sure thing, Right, bud. so Eponine is very much friend-zoned, but he sends her on this mission, and she's like, I guess, whatever you want, dude, because I'm in love with you. So she goes on this journey, and then we get into two of my favorite songs, Red and Black and Do You Hear the People Sing? Very good moments in the show. Kind of where we see the, the revolution beginning to, to start and um, become a thing. Uh, we've been introduced to him before, but... Um, Andras. Yes. I, how do you say it? Andras. Andras. See, he's like Maybe. one of my favorite characters in the show, and I don't know how to say his name. Andras. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, if you kind of say it with an accent, it's like Andras, but it's like Andras, something like that. Okay, sure. Uh, but they sing Red and Black, which is like a really, really... It's a revolution pump-up song. Definitely. And then, of course, Do You Hear the People Sing is like the song of the revolution. We sing that song constantly. Yeah. I feel like any any type of like rebellion, you're like, do you hear the people sing? I'm going to get copyrighted for that. Thank you. <laughs> and so we move on. The love trio. The love trio, which I actually despise. This is like, this love trio is like my least favorite part of the whole musical. And I feel like after the nine years later, like anything before that, I was like, in, I'm invested in the musical. And then like after post Master of the House, I like check out. And it's because I despise this love trio. Yeah, because that's basically like, I've been so sheltered my whole life because my daddy's a criminal. Even though she doesn't know that, her daddy's a criminal. So she doesn't really get to have much fun. So when a twinkly-eyed boy looks at her, that's like everything. Older Cosette is one of the most one-dimensional characters I've ever seen on stage. I cannot get behind liking her and it's not that I'm team Eponine or team Cosette it's not really that it's more that I'm like team no one I'm team on on that okay, one that was very insightful um thank you <laughs> but like I just don't like this love tri- triangle I like Cosette Cosette doesn't get enough credit she's been through a lot of hard time it's but we turn. don't see that if they wanted to make we Cosette saw it when she was young no if they wanted to make Cosette a more dynamic character they would have given her more things to do other than as a grown-up just singing love songs with this boy that she never even met well it's the part she was given it's poor writing on that part yeah. again read the book it's a little different in the book 
But we're watching a musical. No, I know. I'm just saying, no. like, <laughs> I, it, it's a huge book. I don't want to go read fit. a, like, 4,000-page yeah, book. you can only fit so much <laughs> in, the, in the musical. But right. um, anyway, this is a really big moment for Eponine. This is when you see that Eponine is, like, a good person. Mm-hmm. So Tenardier is basically like, we're going to plan an attack on this house, which is Jean Valjean and Cosette's house, and mm-hmm. we're going to steal all their fancy stuff. And... Eponine, who happened to be there because she was watching the love of her life fade away, basically, she's like, please don't do this. Like, they're they're innocent people. Like, you know, don't mess with them. And basically, Tanadia is like, go home. Get out, like, you know, get out of my way. And she's like, if you proceed, I'm going to scream. And that'll warn people that something's going to happen. And then she does it, and she literally gets disowned this by is, her parents. This is, I mean, this is, like, the main reason I like Eponine as a character. I wish that her storyline more went in this way of, like, the rebellion against her parents and um, standing up for what she believes in, and not so much the I'm pining over a man and that's the only storyline I have to tell. I wish that she had more of these moments because I feel like, moments like this makes the character stronger and it makes you want to be on her side not so much as of the I'm sad because the man I love is in love with another woman storyline mm-hmm. yeah well this actually this is my favorite Eponine moment actually mm-hmm. is th- this moment in the show so just sliding this in there Eponine is like literally my dream role. <laughs> it is like the role I want to play and if anyone was like you you know you have a chance to sing an Eponine part. What would you do? It would be the attack on Rue Plumet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that's what it would be. And so anyway, after that we get into One Day More, which in my opinion, best listen, act one finale. best one act finale, hands down. I might not be in love with the musical, but I can appreciate a good freaking moment. This is one of those moments where you see it on Broadway. The flag, the flag goes. The flag, and you're exactly. And we'll get into that moment later mm-hmm. when we talk about um, other things. Mm-hmm. I mean, my God, like it's so powerful, and the message that I think that from each character standpoint, the different message of what one day more means is just gosh, it's like, ugh, soul. I don't even know mm-hmm. how to describe it. It's just... It kind of keeps you going. It's a beautiful song. Yeah, it keeps you going. That's what I would say. We um, are done with Act 1. And now we're in Act 2. And we see the building of the barricade. Basically, they're telling everyone to throw down their furniture so they can build this barricade to stop French forces from uh, t- taking them down. Marius um, discovers that Eponine is there. And he goes, oh, you're here to help? Great. Do me a favor. Bring this love letter to Cosette. Just another dagger in Eponine's back. Like, you know, like how awful. And so Eponine sings the coveted On My Own. Great solo. I mean, there's a reason that like this song is so popular and why people sing it so much because it does tell like a really, really like powerful story Mm -hmm. through the song. Yeah, it's a great song, a great moment for Eponine. We're at the barricade. (laughs) Right. So basically, they're just discussing how this whole thing is going to go down. Javert, who is on the team of the opposing side, he's, he's an officer on the opposing side. He's he an inside spy. That he's going to be a savvy inside spy. He shows up and he's like, I'll tell you the plans, blah, 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 blah. And then Gavroche is like, hmm, 
funny because I actually know exactly who you are uh-huh. and you're just trying to pull one over Gav Rosh is really the MVP yeah. of this musical. Let me tell you what. Um, Little People, one of my favorite songs. Good um, evening, dear. Respect a lovely. You're going to get me copyrighted, idea. kids. Best. It's the best part. <laughs> yeah. Great, great moment. And then, of course, that is followed by a not-so-great moment. There's an attack. Eponine gets shot in the stomach. And her and Marius have this duet called A Little Fall of Rain. I mean, she's shot in the stomach, and she's singing with whatever willpower she has left. I just feel like it's really over-dramatized. Um, okay. She disagrees with me. I do. I think it's a beautiful moment. A Little Fall of Rain is one of the most beautiful duets ever. I think it, I think it is a beautiful duet, and I think that it's, it is a nice moment. I mean, imagine, like, she's laying in his arms, and she's like, don't fret me so. It's just so funny well, to be kind of. This is, I think, like, in a very poetic way, this is Eponine being like, I don't feel. Well, no, this is her way of being like, I know I'm going to die, so now is my time to tell you that I'm in love with you. Right. And Marius is like, really <laughs> I know he's like finds out too he's like too he's late. like wait really and so it's basically like they both ultimately know what's gonna happen so mm-hmm. he basically just plays the role of boyfriend until she right. is officially lights out so after that we're gonna skip ahead a little bit to Jean Valjean finds the letter that Eponine has delivered to Cosette from Marius and he all of a sudden uh takes Marius under his wings he's never even met the man and he's like make sure that if anyone doesn't die in this revolution, it's him. Because I might die, and I need someone to, to take care of Cosette. And it happens in a beautiful solo, Bring Him Home, one of the, obviously, the most standout songs in the show. And this is another one I had a lot of questions about, because I was like, I don't understand why he's so invested in Marius right now. Like, I, like I got it. Eventually, Genevieve had to explain it to me. Yeah, he knows that he's on the run he's getting older he's getting tired he needs someone to take care of Cosette she claims that she's in love he claims that he's in love seems pretty convenient yeah (laughs) anyway so then we're moving on we have another attack obviously this is the attack that is the death of Gavroche it's the it's the final it's the final attack Gavroche dies all of the men died my my boy Andros dies and Marius gets shot, and Jean Valjean is obviously like, bro, if anyone's not dying in this revolution, it's, it's you. Marius. So he pulls him into the sewers mm-hmm. to basically hide, you know, he's basically trying to hide him so that he can get him to safety. Mm-hmm. And in the sewers, we run into Tenardier. Tenardier. This is sings. kind of like an irrelevant moment in the show. Well, like. he, it's, the, it's the comedic relief right after everyone we know and love dies. And, and then also, right before. It also is important, though, because this is, so Tenardier finds Jean Valjean and Marius, you know, playing dead in the sewers, basically. And he takes the ring off Marius's finger because he thinks it's worth value. And that comes back around later. And so. so anyway, but it's also, it's not only comic relief right after everyone's died, but it's definitely comic relief to set up right before this very, this next very, very intense moment of Javert. He is confronted with Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean, obviously, it's like another confrontation, basically. But Javert realizes that he is not right in all of this. And that 
drives him completely bonkers to the point to where he commits suicide. And I, I was telling Jennifer when we were watching, I was like, I feel sad for Javert in this moment because I feel sad that he, that a man made him crazy for however long has passed since Jean Valjean came back into his life. And I think it's really sad that he's driven so crazy over this one guy that got away and all the things that happened since that he thought the only way out was killing himself. Well, I talked about this the last time I was here, and this is just, like, another example of it. It's like, when you're the bad guy, you need to prove that you're right. And even, you know, we forgot to say this, but even in this show, Jean Valjean literally says, Javert is taken as a prisoner of the revolution. Jean Valjean basically saves him and lets him escape. And when Javert's like, why would you do this? Why, why are you doing this? Like, you've been waiting for this moment all your life. Jean Valjean's like, you've done your duty, nothing more. Like, why would I, why would I hate you? You've just right. been doing your job. Your job is to make sure that criminals are put away. Yeah. So. Really sad moment in the show, I think. I personally wish we had seen redemption for Javert, which doesn't mean, like, I wish that he had caught Jean Valjean. I wish that we had seen him let him go or just, like, go through some character development and like make a change. I think this is the character development right. because he made he made a vow to himself. He was like I will make sure as long as I live that I dedicate my life to finding this man and he's basically like I can't break that vow to myself or to right. the stars right. and the only way to end this. You know, he even says in his soliloquy it's like there's only there's either him or me and he chooses him. Right. So, I think that is his redemption. And then we move on to another coveted solo in the show, Empty Chairs and Empty Tables, which is basically Marius reflecting on, like, why me? Why am I the one person who was spared in this revolution? Why did all of my friends die? Because now there's no one here. Yeah, there's no one. Dark. Yeah, it's really, really dark, a dark moment. And then the rest of the musical is irrelevant. Just kidding. Um, Cosette and Marius get married. Jean Valjean reveals who he is to Marius, and uh, which means that he has to go away because he doesn't know about Javert. Um, he he doesn't still, know that Javert is He still dead. thinks that Javert is after him. And so he goes away and then the wedding happens. They meet the Tenardiers again, uh, confronted with that. Basically, it's like, you're going to stay away from Cosette. And then they meet Jean Valjean in a hospital? Nope, in um, the church. Ha- oh, right. Have years passed since then or is this right no. after their marriage? No, this is literally right so after So he just like marriage. leaves and then dies? He knows he's dying. Okay. He knows. I think that's why he was very much like, I need to kind of dip because... Is he di- like, what is he dying from? Old age. Guy's okay. been through a lot. Guy is very, pretty old. But then anyway, so Jean Valjean Sees dies. Fontaine. And he crosses over into the world of all of the dead. And he sees Fontaine and Fontaine takes him out. Fontaine and Eponine, actually. Right, right, right. And th- they take him out to this ship where everyone is singing do you hear the the people sing and it's it's like freedom at last like he has not been free even basically his version of heaven is the revolution landing on the right side right and i don't think that he fully ever considered himself a free man until he died and so i think that that's a nice Mm -hmm. like this is this is what freedom is like and it's death yeah Man, really, it really brings you down. We left out a lot of things, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, the musical is three hours long. We like to keep this an hour and a half podcast. Yeah. So, um, 
now we're going to do what um, we do on all of these podcasts. We're going to talk about our favorite characters, our least favorite character, our Tony Award winning moments, and then we're going to rate it. And of course, you guys know we're going to get to the Dreamcast. So my favorite character, hands down, I can't pronounce his name, Andros. I feel like he just like symbolizes everything the, the revolution was about. Like he was the voice of rebellion. He was the one getting everything going and with the rebels and the revolution. And I just, I just loved every moment that he's on stage. And he's not even like a main, main character. He's only in a few things, but I just feel like he was like the progress that like I wanted in the musical. Mm-hmm. My favorite is my girl, Eponine. I knew my it. Dream role, my <laughs> favorite, my girl. Definitely. Literally my dream role. I think, I again, like I said, like I think Eponine has really good moments, but then there are other moments where I'm like, Eponine girl, what are you doing? Get it together. She's young. Uh, she's, <laughs> she's young. Yeah, she definitely has flaws. Okay. Least favorite character for me... 100% Cosette. I just think she's so one-dimensional. Like Genevieve was saying earlier, like if they want to show her struggle, I get that they do it as a child, but we don't see any of her growing up. We just see where she is, and then we don't see any more of her except for her pining over a boy. Like there's no depth to that character, and I feel like she's like the cause of a lot of things that happen in the musical for no reason. I hate the factory girl and the foreman. <laughs> Those two are my least favorite. They're disgusting. They're rude. I know many factory girls and foremans, and I hate them. Are there any... Oh, okay. Are there any um, of the main characters that you don't particularly like? Probably Tenardier, just because he's gross. That's fair. But those two definitely are, like, my two that I hate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, my Tony Award winning moment is hands down, it has to be. There is no other thing it can be. When they are waving the flag at the end of One Day More, I mean, talk about standing ovation. Like, it is so powerful. We already talked about how good of a song that is. I mean, there's there's no other moment in the show except for Anne Hathaway's Oscar-winning I Dreamed a Dream, but that's not even, like, in the musical. I agree. <laughs> I, I agree. Like, I'm, I'm not going to steal your moment. This is, again, another Eponine moment. For some reason, I just always get shudders. I don't know why. There's no reason for this. But when she goes, Eponine, she knows her way. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. She just set up herself there where it's kind of just like a, because she she does the, you see, I told you so. There's no such thing as I know. And it's just like, that's her moment being like, see, I know I'm smart. Like, he's not even paying attention. She's like, I've been telling you I'm smart. Yeah. And she's like, that's me. Like, I know that this is, like, a perk for me. Have you, you seen know? Bootleg of the National Tour with Sutton Foster yeah. as Eponine? She knocks it out of the park. And it's I like, she's, it. like, young. Like, what, she's, like, 19 when she plays it. She's, she's great. Anyway, there's a bootleg on the YouTube uh, but you didn't hear it from me. And then, like, I just wanted to finish with this question. Are you Team Eponine or Team Cazette? I don't know. <laughs> I'm team Eponine. She's team Eponine, of course. I'm <laughs> team Eponine in her moments of independence and a strong-willed woman. I think that's why I'm team Eponine. I would prefer Marius to end up with Eponine than Cosette, but we, as we've already discussed, I'm not the biggest fan of Cosette. That'd be too easy. Um, it's too easy. So, we're, we're at the rating portion. Um, Genevieve, do you, do you want to go first and I'll go, I'll go second? I'll give it 8 out of 10 little balls of rain. Okay. 
What's your reason for that rating? I don't know. There are a lot of plot holes in there. And also, like, as I said, as much as I love the show, it really is a huge downer. Mm -hmm. Like, even at the end, you're still like, well, now I'm upset. You know? (laughs) Right. So. I'm going to give it 6 out of 10 confrontations. (gasps) A rating below 8? Kelsey, what do you mean? I think that there are some powerhouse moments in this show. For example, One Day More. I dreamed a dream. At the end of the day, uh, do you hear the people? There are powerful moments, but as a whole and as a musical that keeps me invested the whole time, it, because of the way the musical is formatted, it's hard to stay invested for three hours. And I, like Genevieve said, I think there are some plot holes. There are some characters that I wish were developed better. It's just like not a musical that I would want to sit down and, you know, like obsess over, I think. So it gets six out of 10 for me. I will say that. I, and I told Genevieve this the other day, I think that I needed to grow up and be a little bit older to really appreciate the musical because when we did watch it the other day, like I was much more enthralled by the musical than I was when it came out in 2000 and whatever, really showing our age, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so I do think there was, there was like a lot of more mature content that I had to understand. So I do like it more than I did when I was younger, but it's still just not a musical that I would, you know, really love to sit down and watch every day. I did sit down and watch this every day. <laughs> Genevieve was like singing all the lyrics during the movie and I was like, you gotta stop because I will never understand this musical and what they're saying if you keep singing. <laughs> I knew the whole thing by heart. All right. And now that we are done with that, let's get into everyone's favorite part. At least it's my favorite part. I don't know about you guys. The Dreamcast. I think I do the same jingle for like I do a podcast with my brother as well and I'm pretty sure I do the same jingle for a segment of that but we're still working on it as I said all right Jean Valjean Genevieve hit me with it um I said Christopher Jackson just because I'm on a Christopher Jackson kick right now and it's probably not the right role for him but I still think it'd be very interesting see I highly disagree I don't think this is the role for Christopher Jackson probably Um, you're probably right but I just like him right I went with I have two. Uh, My first thought was Joshua Henry um, because, I I don't know, just seeing him in Carousel made me think of him for this role. But also Stephen Pascal. Like, if I have to listen to one singular person singing for three hours, I mean, it's got to be him. He has one of the best voices in musical theater. He just, I mean, like, I could listen to him sing all day. So that's my pick for Jean Valjean. For Javert, I said Raul Esparza, and I feel like maybe he's played it before, but maybe he hasn't. I don't know, but that's fine. But I think it's a good, it's a good option. Mm-hmm. Fontaine. Okay, so imagine that we're back in 2002 or sure, whenever. A young Audra McDonald, because I know Fontaine is young, but Audra's interpretation of Sarah in Ragtime, take that and put her in Fontaine at the time. Like, the, this is the opening of Les Mis, whenever it opened on Broadway, Audra McDonald. Perfect, perfect, perfect for the role. However, yeah. we've also talked about it and who we would say, like, now. And we I think we both Philip agreed Pissu that, yeah, Philip Pissu would also be a great option as everyone in their own ages at this moment. I also wrote Cynthia Erivo. I like her. I feel like that's another good option. Mm-hmm. Um, but any of those three... Ladies, I mean, I don't even care how old Audra is right now. She she seems young to me. Mm-hmm. She can play it right now. 
I don't really, I have no preference. Moving on to Marius. So I said either Jonathan Groff or Anthony Ramos. Oh, that's really interesting. I feel like Anthony Ramos would be a good option. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about Jonathan Groff, just because I don't, I don't see him playing like that type of role. But I feel like he would, he would do good. But all, Anthony Ramos is a really good option. Mm-hmm. I said Gavin Creel. I don't know why. I just felt like this was the role for him. And then Eponine. I said Ava Noblezada. Yeah, I agreed with you on that. She's she'd be good. Right. I feel like she she'd be perfect for the role. I mean, I feel like she's playing kind of a similar role in Hades Town right now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, again, her voice could listen to it for days. Mm-hmm. Cosette. I said Julia Udine. She played Christine in Phantom. Right. I agreed. I feel like for Cosette, you just need like any type of like ingenue. Well, she's also yeah. Julia's just really good. Right. She's really really good, and she played Christine in Phantom. I think she'd be a good option as well. Tenardier, Nathan Lane, one hundred percent. Did you ever? Did you get to see um, Gary? No. Oh my god, he was so so funny in that. It was a a play sequel to Titus Andromedas on Broadway a couple of years ago, but he was great. And then Ma- Madame Tenardier, I said Christian Chenoweth would be a really interesting Madame Tenardier. Yeah, I. I said Laura Benanti. It's it's an interesting take. That is a really interesting take. I've never seen Laura be this type of comedic role. I think know? she'd do great. I think she yeah she'd be a good option. Andros, my man Derek Klena. Like come on, there is no one else in my mind. He is perfect for the role. And also, I guess like Aaron Tveit was on my mind because he played it in the movie. And I just like. I always compare Derek Clinton and Aaron Tveit to one another. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're super similar. Gavroche. Um, is... I can't. I can't unsee Robert Madge. Like he he played him in the twenty fifth anniversary, and I just I can't I can't unsee it. He's just perfect. I really could not <laughs> replace him. That's I fair. Really we we're talking about Gavroche, and we have a lot of issue casting like young actors just because we don't really know a lot of them. However, whoever that guy in Matilda. I don't, I have no idea what role he was, and I have no idea what, like, who the actor was, but whoever, the one that, in Revolting Children, is like, oh, like, does the, the main, like, riffing, that guy, I want that guy to play Gavroche, I feel like, you know, just based on that, he'd be great, and then, of course, we weren't, I wasn't gonna cast this, but Genevieve, go ahead. Priest has to be Joel Grey, I don't know why, I just, why, why wouldn't it be? Well, we have to just throw Joel Grey into the show anywhere. You always want Joel Grey in your shows. That's true. Anyway, guys, that wraps up the Dreamcast, which means we are done with the musical of the week. It was actually pretty fun talking about Les Mis, even though that I'm not particularly the biggest fan of it. I love Les Mis. Yeah, it was fun talking about it with Genevieve. And now we are moving on to the game portion of the podcast. I have created a game. Which I did not create. I actually, I watch, um, have you ever seen Jane Lynch's Hollywood Game Night? No. She plays, like, she brings a bunch of celebrities and she plays games with them. And this is actually a game I saw on one of those episodes. But I don't remember what she called it, but I'm going to call it one, two, or three. What we're going to do is we have each picked five musicals. And we're going to try and get the other person to guess what the musical we're thinking of is in either one word two words, or three words. And we have to decide before we start whether we're, we think we can describe it in one word, two word, or three words. So are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. I'll start. How many musicals are we doing? Five. Five. Okay. Okay. 
So I'll do one and then you do one and then we'll, we'll just go back and forth. Okay, I think I can do... Okay, so the, another rule is that you can't say any characters in the musical and you can't say any of the songs in the musical and obviously you can't say the musical's name. Mm-hmm. So I think I can do this one in two words. Okay. Okay. Love letters. Oh, she loves me? Yeah. Yeah. hey um, okay, sorry. This is really hard because um, mm-hmm. I'm u- still using the headphone microphone, and uh, so <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I got she loves me. Okay, right. ready? I'm ready. Sea creatures, the Little Mermaid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you pick two, and I pick two. Okay. Okay, great. So we each have two points. That's how it works. Oh, okay. Cool. Okay, two points. I think I can do this in. Hmm, this one's hard. Two words. I think I can do this in two words. Taming shrew. Kiss me, Kate. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I can do this in one. Okay. Bible. Book of Mormon. No. Oh. Oh, Joseph? No. Okay, there are so many musicals with like that are biblically inclined. But why were those two the first ones you thought of? Because Book of Mormon and There's I... one that's like obvious. It's just like Bible. Godspell? Yes. Okay. Okay. So I have four points and you have three. Uh, it's whoever has the least amount of points. Please. Okay. Okay, this next one, I can do in one. Sisters. 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 White Christmas? No. That would be the name of the song. Oh, that's true. Frozen? No. I'm stressed (laughs) now. Little Women. Yes. Okay. (laughs) All right, what's yours? Okay. Oh, my gosh. You're not going to get it. (laughs) Well, you can use more than one word. Three. Okay. World War Two. World War II, gosh, history, you know, I have to think of musicals that happen around World War II. Think, like, classic. Why, like, the one thing, I know this is the Vietnam War, but, like, why is the one thing in my head, like, Miss Saigon? It's obviously not World War II. Like, classic. I'm not, like, it's not, like, oh, it's a classic. It's, like, it's actually a classic. Oh, um, The Sound of Music. No. Oh, that happened during World War II. Yeah, but it's, you're on the right track. Is it Rodgers and Hammerstein? Yes. So we got that. We have... Is it, that's not World War II. Is it South Pacific? Yeah. That's World War II? I, I think so. Oh, gosh. I hope so. <laughs> um, okay. Um, my next one is... So, okay, wait. So I have five points, and you have six? No. Because you I... have two, and then one, and then three. And you have... Two, two, and one. No. Uh-huh. World War Two. No. That's... It's however many words you use. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Okay. Hmm. I think I can do this in one word. This doesn't really describe the musical, but it describes, like, the musical's essence. Tap. 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 <laughs> because there's only one musical out there that no, has tap. But this one is, like... Has is it, it Millie? No. Is it um, Anything Goes? Yeah. Okay. Tap. Tap. But you know, like, a famous tap number. Come on. This is going to be super vague, but I want to see if you can get it. Pool. Like, the game. The Music Man. Yes. Yeah! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now I have, you have seven and I have six. Yeah, because you had six and I have five. Okay. Okay, this is also going to be super vague, but I want to know if you can get it. Okay. Hats. 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 No. Hats. Hats. What is it? Just tell me. It's Hello Dolly. I thought Hello Dolly, but why? Why did oh. you just say it? I don't know. 
Because <laughs> I thought that was just like, I was like, no. Mm. Okay. All right. Is that it? Did we? Well, you have one more. Oh, I have one more. Okay. Um. How many words? One. Okay. I need to. I need to be able to do it in one. Boys. Boys. Lots of them. Newsies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said West Side Story. Okay, boys. That's you could have said newspaper. That's two words. Or no, it's not. That's, that's one, one word. word. I don't know. Boys was good. Anyway, you said tap. <laughs> I did say tap. tap. <laughs> um, that's the game. Hats. Um, I don't know who won. It. I think we tied. Whatever. So, if you are looking for more fun games like that continue to listen to this podcast please and so we moved on to the last segment of this podcast this is my weekly advice column this is where I give basically advice for aspiring musical theater artists or actors in general um, that I have obtained in my last four years this week's is to always be prepared whether you are auditioning be prepared for anything that they're gonna throw at you If you are going in, if they're asking for 32 bars, make sure you also have a 16 bar cut and an eight bar cut, because when you get to the audition, they might change it on you at the last second, because you never know how many people are going to show up. So be prepared for that. Be prepared. If you are in school right now, always be prepared for class. This is something that I have learned firsthand. Um, If you're not prepared for class, it's going to show. Um, I have seen it in my classmates. I have also done it. I understand that college can be really hard, but it's really just going to be to your benefit if you're always on top of your work. And Also, don't let anyone know. Be prepared, but if you're not prepared, don't let anyone know. They will use it against you. <laughs> but yeah, just always try and be prepared, whether that means staying up all night and learning a song because you didn't get to it until midnight the night before. Just, just go in and know your, know your stuff because that's going to make you look good and you never know who's watching. Be prepared for rehearsal. Be on time. Always be on time because that's the difference between you having a job and not having a job. If you show up late, you could get fired. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Be on time. Be on time always. Be prepared for the rehearsal you're going into. So if you're running a number, make sure you've gone over your choreography, your lyrics, your scene, your dialogue for that scene. Just always make sure that you are never in a situation where you're underprepared. Because again, like I said about being on time, that's the difference between having a job and not having a job. And it's also the difference between having a job and getting the next job. Because people want to work with people who they can trust, who they know will always be on top of their game. And who are good to work with. And that always comes from recommendations from people you've worked with in the past. So not only be prepared, but be a good person to work with as well. And make sure that you're always on top of your stuff. Because you never know how it can benefit or be your demise in your next job. True. All true things. I have nothing to add. (laughs) I think that's something in college that they definitely drilled into our heads. Especially the being on time thing. And I mean, like, Mm -hmm. if we were five minutes late we had points deducted because it's so so important to be on time in this industry and to know your stuff and to be prepared so that's my advice of the week thank you guys so much for listening like I said at the beginning of this podcast you can find this podcast on apple podcast which is that little purple purple podcast app that already comes installed on your phone it's all free 
And if you could leave me a rating or review on that, if that's what you're listening on, you can also find it on Spotify. And if you would just give me a download, that really helps me out as well. You can find me personally on Instagram at underscore Kelsey McFall, K-E-L-S-E-Y-M-C-F-A-L-L underscore. You can also find me on TikTok at KelseyMC137. And you can find Genevieve at Genevieve underscore Taylor on Instagram. Nice. So if you want to give us a follow, that's great. And if you do, DM us and tell us that you came from the podcast because we're really interested to know who is listening to these podcasts and then finding us on social media. Thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you next time. Bye. Bye.